Hey, this is Dave Ryder from New Spring Church here in beautiful Perth, Western Australia. Really praying that this message is going to help you. If you'd like some more information about our story, just head to newspring.org.au. Doing it in Kalgoorlie, in regions, but prophetic intensive, which will go once a month uh, in, in, in Perth, Rockingham, Kalgoorlie and other places. But we're going to launch one in Crawley, so it's down near Netherlands. Um, but if you're interested in the prophetic, you're interested in getting trained and um, mobilizing the prophetic, it's only two and a half hours once a month. Um, you'll be resourced with pulling together in the city of Perth a prophetic community. So I, I live here, so it's not a blow in, blow out. It's going to be something that we're going to start to pull prophets together, uh, pull those that have that that gift resident on the inside of them, but always localized to the to the body of Christ. Um, but very much kingdomized, all right? So we're going to jump into some deep stuff. We're going to jump into some scary prophetic stuff that a lot of pastors are scared to talk about, but we're going to talk about it, and we're going to jump into the mystery of the dream world and things like that. So if you are interested, you can go to um, uh, Facebook, Peter Christensen, or you can go to Elevate Global Perth, um, where the stuff will come out, or PC Living, or you can fill out some of these forms here with your name, your rank, your serial number, and I'll just email it straight into your account. So I'll leave that on the stage there, those of you interested, because we're going to have a limited amount. I don't want a big, massive, I don't, want, I don't want it to be like a conference. I want it to be intimate. And so first in, first serve, and we will go from there. If you have your Bibles tonight, I want to jump into uh, the theme of the emerging church. And this is going to be half of part one, because I don't want to, what I don't want to do is overkill <laughs> I want you to grab hold of really in a 30-minute message or a 40-minute message, we grab about 12 to 15 minutes of it. And so many times we're tempted to, um, you know, kind of wind down the clock in our teaching. Um, and I don't want to do that tonight. But I want to use the theme over the next uh, um, whatever we've got left this year. We've got a few meetings, don't we? Yeah. Um, yeah. But I want to talk about the emerging church. <clears throat> I want to talk about it from a, a fresh uh, angle um, that it'll be biblically based. This is only just an hors d'oeuvre of, of what we're going to find um, locked up in these passages of Scripture. Uh, but I encourage you to, to dive into the Word of God, to resource yourself in the Word of God. But um, my passion is for the church, <clears throat> and I want to see it come into all that. God is destined. So can we jump into Matthew 16, verse number 13 and 19? I'm going to read from a bit of a traditional Bible called the New King James. Um, I usually use the living, New Living Translation or NIV uh, or the Message or the Passion or the, you know, so many Bibles now, hey. Back in the day when I was like 20, man, we used to rock up. I traveled with a guy to Singapore. This is serious. This guy's a teacher, right? He was a budding teacher though, you know. And so he had the swept hair and all that sort of stuff. We had the suitcase. This is the 90s, guys. This is going to Singapore. He traveled with a Strong's Concordance. Yes. I haven't finished yet. Strong's Concordance, Amplified Bible, New King James, NIV. And the good news. So we would get in. We're room sharing, you know, and he'd open up. And he'd have a couple of pairs of jocks and socks and the rest is just Bibles. <laughs> so it was like quite a wild, wild experience. Uh, that's, that's for one session I'll let him have. All right, verse number 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, uh, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? 
And so they said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah or one of the prophets or Dave Ryder. And so he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said to him, you are Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And also say to you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, that whatever you bind on earth, not God, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Uh, these verses that we've read are profound. And if we can capture both the, 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 the mysterious, mysterious elements of it, the blatant elements of it, and those truths that God is wanting to unfold, if we can, if we can build our, our, our mindset, our paradigm as leaders, as team, as, as lay people around this, what we've just read, our Christianity is going to look different to what it has looked. Thank you. Before we jump in, I want to share a story I was reading yesterday, which I thought was pertinent for tonight. In the 20s, there was this little fella, uh, eight-year-old guy that had heard about baseball, was intrigued. He would hear snippets on the radio about baseball, but he hadn't actually seen the game played before. And then his uncle was traveling four hours into a rural city kind of thing in the Midwest in America. True story. <clears throat> and he took this eight-year-old uh, nephew of his into the city. Anyway, they didn't have enough money to actually see one of the um, minor league games being played. And it's picketed up with a fence right around. And they can only go to one section. And so the little boy with his uncle got up against the crack and started to look through at the game being played. But he can only partially see the game being played. He could see first base. And he could now and then see uh, the ball traveling past first base. And someone in the outfield grabbed that ball. And he went back at the end of the day quite, quite despondent because his understanding of the game was different to what he was seeing. And so he rang his mother and his mother asked him, you know, what was his take on baseball? Did he love it? And he said, well, I'm kind of confused because it's not what I thought it would be. The next day they went back. It was a three-day series that was going on with different teams. And he found a knot hole in a different section. He repositioned himself, found this knot hole in the wood. And he looked through and he could see first and second base and part of the outfield. He could see more. And so he's starting to get a bit more of a handle on this game called baseball. But still, he was not uh, as excited as what he thought he would be based on what he could see. Went back and told his mum, uh, you know, I, I like it, but it's not kind of being played out the way I heard it being played out on the radio. Finally, the last day, they found a tree and he climbed that tree with the help of his uncle. And he elevated him high enough to see above the fence line and to see the entire game. Now, he was just about falling out of the tree with excitement because he saw the whole game played out. And he could understand and interpret the game based on the position he was in, different to where he was before. And I want to submit this thought to you that I believe right now in this nation of Australia, we are poised to begin to change position, adjust our lives in such a way in an attitude and in a mindset that is gut up hungry for the Holy Spirit to begin to open up this game called church, 
this play that God wants to unfold in the context of church, the way He really has intended it to be played out. The key is this, that if we really want to see the game played the way heaven wants it played, we've got to change our position. We've got to elevate our mindsets. We've got to begin to come to a new place to begin to see the game from a different perspective. And unless we're prepared to change our location internally, change our mindset, the way we are seeing the game, I believe, uh, you know, has come to a point where God is saying, great where it's come to, but yet I want to take it to a whole new dimension. I want to take pastoring. I want to take evangelism. I want to take the apostolic dimension, the mission side of the body of Christ to another dimension. I want to take, you know, the teaching ministry to another level. I want to take, you know, the body of Christ, the various gifts and members that are found within this, this, this entity called the body of Christ. I want to reveal my original intention for the church, and I want to marry my heart to your heart, and I want to show you the game from my perspective because it is looking different. <laughs> it is different. It sounds different. It's different to the way, you know, we've kind of been interpreting it. And I want to submit this to you, not out of being uh, cynical or critical, but, you know, I, I see a lot of church proclaiming difference, but what it is, it's just a, a, a model that kind of is the one model we, we kind of piggyback on, and yet we we change a few things like the worship might be a bit different or, you know, the messages might be a little bit different, but we're basically stuck in one model of church and that's producing a model of Christianity. And I'm not discounting the reality that God has been using that. God has been using it effectively in certain spheres and places, but we serve a God that, that created the vastness of this earth the multifaceted nature of God is waiting to bust open into the hearts of leaders and, and, and people and songwriters and, and, and moms and dads. And, you know, we're all integral, called the body of Christ, to, to, the, to the game being played the way heaven is wanting it to be played. And I believe with all of my heart, thank God for where we've come to, but there is something breaking into the shores of our nation in the spirit world. And there are prophets that are beginning to rise up in our nation. That's why I feel that, that when prophets are starting to move, when prophets are starting to rise and they're coming out of the wilderness, uh, they're coming out of those places of hiddenness. Why? Because one of the elements of true mature prophets is to begin to capture what has been lost, to begin to capture the things that we have lost and the things that we have left. True prophets, when you see them marked throughout Old Testament and you carry them through into, into New Testament, we see one of the marks of mature prophets are that they begin to shine the light on the things that have been hidden, on the things that we have allowed to be lost because of humanism, because of religion, or because of you know just our status quo or because of the comforts of what we have kind of built around about us. And they break the nest up and they begin to say there is a better way. They're casting eyes to the horizon saying something's coming. We've got to begin to change position. We've got to begin to adjust our vision. We've got to begin to rethink leadership. We've got to begin to rethink the way we are as a church. Why? Because something is breaking into the shores of this nation. 
And so it challenges the status quo. It challenges the way we, we, we are positioned as a people. And that is the anointing that prophets carry. And so when we look back over, you know, church history and the birth of the church right up to 250 years, that, that, that range of 250 years of the church, you know, the way it looked then to the way the church looks today is kind of a little bit different. And, I, I, you know, I believe that we need to go back and I think the word is we need to muse. We need to begin to gaze. We need to begin to meditate. We begin to ponder upon the early church, ponder upon some of the things that they caught that I believe we've lost, that we've left. And we need to come back to true positioning, come back to that place so that we can rediscover. No man, no one man has the answers, but I believe that God is shining the light in them and he's putting out a challenge to us as a people. But we're ready as a people. I believe there is a stirring in our nation. I'm thankful for the church, thankful for the body of Christ, thankful for major mega ministries and, and what they've done in the earth and what they've done in our nation and what they will continue to do. This is not a put down. What it is, is I'm coming from another angle saying to a breed of people, that God wants to seed with a thought, that He wants to begin to raise up Antioch styles of ministry. He wants to raise up apostolic style ministries that are given to a mandate, not just to gather, but to send and mobilize an army out there into the nations of the earth. And so not everyone's graced with that, but the reality is I'm speaking to a people tonight that I believe that are wired, hardwired with that frame of God in their hearts. And so He says, I will build my church. Church. I will build my church. It's interesting to note that Jesus, I believe, when I, when I, when I kind of meditate on this, when I, when I come into the Scriptures and allow them to become alive, I can almost feel part of the emotion that Father had, that Holy Spirit locked up in Jesus, wanting to be locked up in a multifaceted people called the church. This word church hadn't been used before. The term church wasn't used up until that point. And, and in the sessions to come, I'm going to show you what the actual word was and what it means today. But I can almost feel the urgency of Jesus that he, he takes a two-day journey to the furthest northern part to Caesarea Philippi. And he chooses a location that maybe you and, we, you and I wouldn't choose, a place that, that was formerly even in the book of Leviticus. You can find that Caesarea Philippi or the place called the Gates of Hell were, were, were mainly, you know, it's mainly the, the very ground zero for Satan's work and activities. And, and there were Baal practices there. There were, I think, 14 gods that, that they would worship there. There was bestiality. There was sexual perversion. There was, you know, the, the, the pan god. There was uh, nemesis and all these different practices. I'm telling you what, there was sacrifice, human sacrifice, animal sacrifice. It was, uh, you know, an ancient hub, ground zero for the demonic strongholds. And, and, and you know, these people that, that, that would go there weren't Jews. They weren't religious leaders. They weren't scribes. They weren't Pharisees because the Jews of that day wouldn't even go near it. Devoted Jews wouldn't even go near that region. They wouldn't go near it because of the status, because of the, the, very, the very place itself, what it represented. And why does Jesus turn things upside down all the time? Why when we track with Him, when we travel with Him, when we journey with Him, He doesn't go to the places we want Him to go to? And yet as ministers and as leaders, we kind of keep to that track of status quo. And yet we talk about following Jesus, being like Jesus, 
And we've limited that to a devotion on the morning and a lovely touch from the Holy Ghost. But there is the release of a, of a breed of people, an ev- evangelistic people, a, a heart people, a fired up people that are willing to take their intimacy out of the closet and into the streets and into the nations and into the marketplace and into the very spheres that are out there. There is an urgency I can feel even in this place that, you know, would we be willing Would we be willing to come and sit with a blank canvas before the Lord and say, you know, my life must count for something. You know, not all of us, including myself, are called to stand in Africa or, you know, on the shores of foreign nations and and call the multitudes, millions together to to do evangelistic crusades. You know, some of us are called to to the few, to to the five, to the ten. It doesn't matter. There's no measurement in the kingdom of God. Some of us are called to, you know, foster kids. Some of us are called to be the best mom and dad we can, installing the devotion towards God in the heart of children. It's not a measurement. It's not just all fivefold ministry and teaching and preaching and worship up at the front. You know, God is not measuring us, but what He wants is for us to stand in the grace that is unique to us. Stand in the call of God that is unique to us. And so He takes 12 with Him on a two-day journey, targeting the darkest place on planet Earth, both in the present time and historically. Jews wouldn't even go there. Yet He goes there and He's standing. It's a hundred-foot cliff down the bottom of Mount Hermon is that gateway. And you can go to Israel today and see the, that, that, that impression where that gateway still was and where they felt that that was a porthole for Baal to come in in certain seasons and come out. And you can imagine he took those 12 there and they're probably freaking out. Some of these disciples were only, you know, early 20s and, and they're standing there. And he begins to stand there and say something that I believe was both locked up in the heart of his father and the Holy Spirit's burning because the, the language is, is different. It's new. The language is totally unheard of. These guys can't get a grasp really yet about what he's saying. But nonetheless, he says it. And he begins to talk from his heart, I believe, an earthquake in the spirit realm started to break open. But there are three things among other things in there that we could talk about. But there are three things that I want to highlight. The first is this. Jesus spoke about his identity. Second of all, he spoke about the church's identity. And thirdly, he spoke about the church's assignment. Then there are other things in there we could, we could break open. But the, the core or the, the crutch of what Jesus was wanting to communicate and translate into the heart of his disciples was this. My identity must be revealed. The church's identity must be revealed. And the assignment of my church needs to be revealed. You need to understand it. And so in those verses, you can read over another time, you can see it locked up in there. And I believe that once again, we're rediscovering this. We're coming back. If you ask me, what's one thing you feel in the heart of God being released into the earth now? Number one, coming back to Jesus coming back to a revelation of Jesus, coming back to know the person of Jesus, coming back to not just mere prayer time, Jesus, but I'm walking and talking. Intimacy, you really can't know God until you walk through darkness, until you walk in dark places. I want to share this with you. Jesus took the disciples to the darkest place on earth. And and I'm not advocating that God puts you through the mincer, but I'm advocating that He will use the mincer. He will use darkness. You know, he, you know the, we've got to stop talking about the devil, what the devil does. The devil is a pawn in God's hand. What he meant for evil, God will work for good. And when we face adversity, 
when the storms are raging around about us, it is not the devil this, the devil that. It is understanding that God has architect all things. He has designed all things for the furtherance of His cause. And what God has set in motion cannot be adverted unless we relinquish our position and we submit to the work that is going on opposite to that, which is God going on around about us. And so He brings us to this place, this dark place. It's interesting to note that in this dark place, some of the most magnificent revelations come out. And sometimes when we are traveling in dark times, it's in those places that true light is found, true revelation and insight is found. There, there, you know, there are times in the natural where we come out of the bright light in the day. We come out and we begin to walk into the, the darkness and our eyes haven't adjusted to, to the new environment. And I believe that's kind of what's happening at the moment with a lot of us. Our eyes are being adjusted. The lens of our heart is being adjusted. You know, I had an optometrist tell me this, that when you come out of the light and you come into darkness, it's what they call dark adaptation, dark adaptation. And it's that transition phase where your eyes have to adjust to the darkness. So when you come out of light, you come out of seeing clearly, you come out of a clear uh, understanding of what's around about you. You come into darkness, you don't understand what is in front of you, what is around you, because you're going through that dark adaptation. There's an adjustment to the lens and to the iris. And it takes about one minute for that adjustment to take place, another minute then for the right amount of light that is in there for the eye to capture that. And you begin to see images you couldn't see before. And I want to say this to you, I believe right now that that dark adaptation is taking place in a lot of lives. There's been a lot of people journeying through dark times. God uses darkness for His glory. And I want to say to you, hang on, don't let go. Be reassured, God is using darkness to bring forth a greater image, a greater understanding of your purpose, His purpose, and the way right now of the body of Christ, getting us ready to see things that we haven't seen before. And so he talks about the church. He talks about the keys of the kingdom. But the thing I want to touch on tonight, just for a few more moments, is this, his identity. Wow, I love preaching about Jesus. His identity. He says to them in verse 13, again in 15, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? What's the general consensus of what the church is saying about me? What is the general consensus that people are writing about me in Kurong? What do people say about me? You know, it's one thing to pick up on the notion of who Jesus is, to read about who Jesus is, to get the flavor of the month about who Jesus is. And that should inspire us to begin to come into those places ourselves and begin to discover an image, an understanding of the identity of who Jesus is to us. Because He can't be through us until we understand who He is to us. And so he asked them, and they say, some say Elijah, some Jeremiah. Pretty disheartening when you're following the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one, and uh, 99% of your congregation really still don't understand who you are. We know you're a good guy. You do amazing things. You're better than Thor or anyone else that's been before us. But the reality is we're kind of just interpreting what others have been talking about you. Some are adamant. You are reincarnated Elijah, Jeremiah, you know, that's the best we can do. And one fellow turns around and says, you're Christ. 
You are the sent one, the Messiah, the anointed one, the one that the earth has been crying out for. You are him. And so he didn't ask them, who do, you know, what do you perceive for the region of Caesarea Philippi? What do you perceive, you know, for the surrounding regions? You see, the key is this. Often we want to run ahead to do a work for God when we don't have an understanding really in our heart who God is. And so before the church can be manifest, God has got to bring us back. And this is what is happening in our nation right now. This is what is happening in the world right now. It's almost like hearts are being re-kissed with a passionate, intimate connection with our Father, with Jesus and the Holy Spirit again. And look out, because when, when eyes are being turned back to Him, when hearts are wanting to rediscover Him in the light that He wants to be seen in in this time, it's a setup. It's a setup by the Holy Ghost. So while we're running to run ahead and do a lot of works for Jesus, He is bringing us back to go forward. And that's the difference with the early church. They said, we have tasted, touched and handled silver and gold, resource, skill, eloquence of speech, education, we don't have. But what we have, we can impart and give to you. And I think the reality is there's a missing gap. I love Bible schools. I love, you know, equipping the body of Christ. That's important. It's paramount. But what are we equipping people with? Filling them with, with so congested with theological stuff. Social media, I love it, but it's just congested with winds of thought. And you've got to wage, wade through that and you've got to find out what is the thread of really what God is saying in this time. It's not the hype. It's not always the stuff that we want to run to. But there are a few that I see that are out there that are kind of like putting out stuff that's actually bringing us back to rediscover who Jesus really is more than what we really discover now. So great, great stuff going to Kuron, great stuff going to conferences. But the reality is, at the end of the day, what stands and remains is our revelation, the revelation you and I have of Him. And when you have gone through, like what I've gone through, a season three years of such hardship and darkness, I found that all my crutches, all the ideologies that I had picked up on the way that I thought were my revelation of Him, my understanding of Him, they couldn't hold me up. In those dark times, in those stormy times, the boat was breaking because there was only one thing that God wanted me left with and that was a revelation of Him. And when I was at the bottom of the valley, in the darkest space, I was left with one thing and it was Jesus. And then I began to climb out into a new place of understanding over time, over months, over years, to begin to rediscover Jesus. And we don't need to always go through, you know, brokenness, but... I'm finding today that there's a lot of people who have been going through hard seasons. There's something about pain when we share our pains. So that's why I want to see a leadership gathering where we don't just talk about how big, how many, how great. You know, we celebrate that. Good on you. That's good. But there's something about pain that when we share vulnerable, we become vulnerable with one another. We talk about our pain. We share from our hearts our experiences. The walls break. I was at a service just recently. I shared my story in full. Let me tell you, the feedback has been incredible. People were saved, born again, healed, set free over this meeting recently. There's something about people they can identify. You know, this guy's walked through this stuff. You know, it's kind of like my journey. Mental health issues and all that sort of stuff. Suicidal thoughts. Yeah, man of God, yeah. And people ran to the front saying, there's hope. There's hope. And I think leadership needs to be built around vulnerability. 
built around pain. Not like, you know, I want to try and outdo you how painful it's been for me, but just genuine conversations. At my age and after 27 years of full-time ministry, I don't want to talk the, the lollipop stuff. I don't want to hear lollipop sermons anymore. I'm past it. I'm way past. Praise God for the millennials. I love them. But let me tell you, we also need to hear, you know, what, what you've struggled through. What, what have you had to climb out of? You know, so Jesus takes them to Caesarea Philippi in this broken place, in this ancient dark place. And it's in that place his light shines so damn bright. I love it. Yeah. So he didn't ask them what they perceived for the region, but he asked them the question, what type of God do you see? Who am I to you? And who is Jesus to us? That's what he's asking the church again. If you, if you want to summarize it, I would say he's, he's revisiting the church saying, Peter, Chris, Dave, who is Jesus to you? Because there's so many different representations of Jesus out there. Amen? Are you here tonight? You see, how you see Jesus underpins your life, underpins your ministry, underpins your family, everything you do. And I want to say this with no criticism, but there are different gods represented here today. And what the body of Christ need, we need a revelation of Jesus again. Not Jesus of the Church of Christ, not Jesus of the Baptist Church, not Jesus of the C3 or ACC, but you have a revelation of Him. And together, our revelation combined together, it creates a river, not a stream. And we can begin to flow forward in all that God has called us to. So there are different types of gods that are out there. And you've only got to look on social media and you see some of those gods. There's the authoritarian God. Come on, we're talking about Jesus' question, who am I to you really? There's the authoritarian God. There's the angry God, you know, that the God that basically society's rebelled against me. I'm going to just judge the crap out of them. I'm going to hammer them. All right, there's a lot of people like that. Look at 9-11. It was only a matter of hours after 9-11. I'm not going to say the, the ministry of it. A major ministry sent out emails saying this is the judgment of God. So you've got the world looking at that saying, is this the God? Is this God? Which I know that wasn't the heart of God. And you've got people that were saved and people that were killed. So oh God judged that person. You know, it's messed up. It's messed up. There's the critical God, there's the distant God, there's the untouchable God. In other words, God's up there in His world. I've got a mate, he just said, well, He's untouchable God. He's in His world doing His thing. I'm doing my thing. And together we're doing our own thing. That's His mindset, Tan, friend of mine. There's the unavailable God. He's caught up in His own stuff. The generous God, good God. The good God, the God of religion, the God who favors some. You can go through the whole list. And see that a lot of people carry a different interpretation of who God is. And I have not arrived to that place to say to you tonight that I know everything about God. I'm on that journey. I love that Jesus in the journey keeps an element of mystery about Him and us. So that we're seeking, knocking, asking, pursuing. Yeah. But let me tell you this secret. It is not the devil that is keeping us out of a major move of God. It is the image we have of God that is either hindering us or advancing us. What do I mean by that? It was, not, it was not the giants in the promised land that held Israel out. It was the image of God that kept them out. Maybe we have an image problem today. Maybe it's not about spiritual mapping, unity, all these peripheral things that we're trying our hardest to bring together so that God might do something. Maybe... That's just peripheral, out-of-court activities that we're engaged in 
still trying to wash our foreheads, cleanse ourselves to get in to the place where we can say, right, we've arrived. Maybe all that peripheral stuff needs to be brought under the microscope of true mature ministries and begin to calm in the presence of God and say, God, are you behind this? Or are we just wasting our time? Maybe we have an image problem. Maybe through the revelation that we're, we're about to partake of as a nation, a reconnection, a re-understanding of, of who Jesus is. Maybe that image we have of Him is not good enough in the sense that the image we have is, is a partial image of Jesus. Because let me tell you, when you're in the valley, it's only the image you have of God that will cause you to stand strong in that hard time. It's not your theological studies or your ability to quote the book of Ephesians or Colossians. It's the image that you have of Him. It's the image. That's to remind me to, that's my first wind up. Come on, we can all engage in that. I'm not against theology. I'm not against learning and understanding. I'm not against reading books, but I've done that. And when I was trying to climb out of a difficult season, I read 21 books in six months. Did you think I got out of that darkness? No. It wasn't until I had a revelation. Because revelations change your perspective. And when you have a revelation of Jesus, and I had to keep knocking, knocking, God, I don't know why I'm here. I had to get past reason and come to that place of revelation. Reason will keep you stuck. Why is this going on in my life? Why am I here? Why is it not happening? Why is the church not growing? Why? We get stuck. And God wants us to come to that place of revelation. As we discover revelation, it illuminates us and God sheds a light into our hearts. And therefore, we're then empowered with a new measure to go forward in the purpose and the plan that God has for us. And so I want to encourage each one of you as I come into a landing tonight. I'm only just touching on the surface of it tonight, but the question we need to begin to pursue, we need to begin to talk about with our Father is this, I want to know you the way you want me to know you in this season. Thank God for Pete Christensen and Dave Ryder and all the great preachers that you're listening to and getting blessed by. That's great. Continue that. But at the end of the day, the core of who you are will always struggle in life until you get a revelation. I get a revelation of Jesus. I'm not talking about falling on the floor. I'm not talking about rolling around drunk in the Holy Spirit. But what I'm talking about is an ongoing, progressive understanding of who God is to you. Bit by bit, little bit by little bit. Because otherwise we're going to be like the Israelites, stuck, wanting provision. Our prayer life is so summed up by always getting our needs met always wanting water, manna, food, provision. Water, manna, food, provision. We're locked in there. And the whole time is, I've opened up the promised land for you. There was two guys that came back and the image they had of God was different because they said, we're able. The other 10 spies said, we're not able. Why? Because it comes down to image. And the rise and fall of the church in going forward in these days is all based around image. Who do you say that I am? Father, we thank you and honor you. We bless you and glorify you that, Lord, we have found a ministry in this beautiful city of Perth amongst the body of Christ that are hungry and are wanting to pursue and wanting to grow and wanting to, to break into all that you have destined for them. Father, we've only touched on the surface of, of, of what is found in Matthew you know, 16, 13 through 19. And we pray that together as we journey for the remainder of this year that we might 
really discover what is church? What is the church? What is emerging in the earth? How is it unfolding? Give us understanding. I, I put myself in the midst of that, Lord. I want to know, I want to know, and I want to understand all that you have in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Maybe I'll just pray for a couple of people. This young lady there, what was your name, love? Can you stand up? Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for Vicky. Vicky, I just see that um, part of what, who you are and part of the construct for you is that there's a, there's a merciful heart in you. And God has given you compassion for the hurting. God has given you compassion to care for others. And I see like um, a group of young ladies around about you and that, you know, Sometimes you're not aware of it, but they're actually looking to you for, for, for guidance and looking for you for insights because you've got like a shepherdess's heart, you know, like the, 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 the shepherd that would care for the sheep and make sure that they're always fed, make sure that they're always watered, make sure that they're journeying into safe pastures. And so that kind of mindset is in you already. And so I do feel that part of where you're going to find the flow of God in your life, the grace flowing in you is helping people nurturing people, encouraging people. And so don't be, uh, you know, surprised that God gives you a small flock of young children. And I see you working with young children and ministering to young children. But this is all preparation because there'll come a day when you will pastor. There'll come a day where you'll be in ministry and that you will serve and the call of God is going to flow through you in all these precious phases that uh, you, you're going to go through. And uh, so there, there, are, there are levels of talent in you that God's placed in you. And God has given you um, a sharpness of mind, but a keenness of heart to be able to put God first, to be able to stand. And there are some times where there's the opposite will come. And there's been some wrestles in you, self-doubt, a little bit at times feeling of insecurity. Hey, welcome to you know, the real world. And, and that's all normal. That's not abnormal. But, you know, be aware that sometimes we're attacked to try and stop us to, from standing in the strength of what God has called us to. And so I just want to declare that, you know, male or female, there's a pastoral call on you. There is a pastoral capacity in you to be able to nurture the younger generation, the children for this season, but it's going to unfold. You will stand and you will eventually preach. You will teach the Word of God and God is going to cause the call to be strong in you from a young age and it's going to be quick what God does in you as you stay faithful to Him. So be careful with the relationships. Be careful with the groups that are, you're around about. And uh, God will keep you every step of the way. Amen. God bless you. Amen. A sister here, I've forgotten your name. Yeah, Father, we just thank you. I just feel, I still, I see the word tug of war. And I feel like there's this tug of war going on still. And I feel like there's this back and there's this fro that's kind of going on on the inside of you. And you visit these pockets of like, uh, how do I describe this? Pockets of, yes, it's happening in me. It's happening around about me. And yet there's this tug of war. Because I feel like the, the enemy's kind of challenged, um, uh, challenged by you, challenged with the construct, the way you were put together by God. Furthermore, the mandate that God has for you. Because that mandate is crucial to the development of other people. There's a prophetic calling on your life. 
uh, that prophetic calling can grow to become sharp, where words of knowledge, you know, come out of you, where healing flows through you. And so some of the, the, the um, uh, you know, the stuff that you've gone through in your life, the, the budding heads, the relational tensions, the, the ups, the downs, he packages that darkness, puts it in light and uses it for his glory. But I want to say to you right now that I just want to declare something of, of, of the lightness, if I can say, of the load that you've been kind of under, that tug of war, that tension. There's, a, there's like this tension in you. And, you know, hey, welcome to a prophetic world because uh, that's kind of the mix that we do journey through. And we, we learn how to manage those, those spaces. We learn how to manage those relational environments, you know, and that's, that's a self-teaching. But I just want to declare right now that God is for you. And God is moving, you know, in and through you. Uh, you know, when you were up to, uh, tonight with the team, uh, there's much more in you. It's, you're kind of touching on it. And it's not performance. It's not anything to do with that. It's, 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 a, it's a dam breaker in you. And so, you know, this, this pastor that you have, thank God that he's, um, he's a rad pastor, you know, that allows expression, allows, you know, different gift mix and grace dimensions and color because it's a rare breed, that there. And so, you know, the prophetic in you is going to come forth in a, in a rich way. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Did you get something? Something? A little bit? It's unreal. It's, it's quite, it's, this is one of the easiest spaces to minister. I was talking to Chris. He said, look, these guys are amazing crew. We've had some good stuff on Sundays. And, you know, it's, it's, quite, it's quite rare. Uh, I might, might add, not until you've traveled out there do you realize and, and you come to appreciate. And he's like, man, you know what? <clears throat> Standing on the front row, you know, I'd like to organize with you. Thank you. Amen. <laughs> I'd love to do like a, I'd love to do like a like a breakout worship night where we just cut cut loose, and you need his wife with all these guys. Um, she's got pipes on her like unbelievable. Uh, like Phil Pringle got hold of her, and yeah, she's amazing. But with you guys and this environment, I reckon if we did like a prayer worship, anything happens night, but built around the worship, prophetic, spontaneous, psalmist, you know, scribes writing get that prophetic environment, it might spill over into the atmosphere, into this region. It might be one of the keys that we need to look at in, in, in kind of helping push forward, helping move things in the realm of spirit. Thanks. You just organize that and I'll come. <laughs> See the lady down the back there with the beautiful red scarf and the million, pocket, million dollars in your pocket. What was your name? Ricky. Um. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. I see that I see God has got a mark on you uh, for influence, and influence. You know, there's responsibility, and um, uh, you know, I I don't know if it's to come or whatnot, but I'm seeing students, you know, and I'm seeing students around you, and I'm seeing people coming around about you that that are needing uh, mentoring, teaching, coaching. And influence, you know, and uh, uh, you're almost like the Lord's principal. I'll put it that way. And 
Why are you laughing? Why are you laughing? And uh, here's the other thing. that I see a bull, and there's serious, there's a serious stuff. I'll get my serious prophetic face on now. There's something in the, in the context that you're working in that's been biting up against you and fighting against you. And it's like a bull spirit. Whenever I see that, I know that it's not just a low-ranking thing. It's, it's something uh, that is strategic. It's something that is it's greater than you on your own can tackle. And it's been, I, I feel, am I making any sense here? Because uh, I'm only hearing and seeing and speaking. <laughs> you know, so I'm trying to jump in there. And my mind catches up with the revelation. Could you stand up and we, we actually begin to pray? And we do a bit of um, bull hunting. Is that all right? Is this, thus far, does that mean anything to you? Father, what was your name? Sorry. Ricky. We bring Ricky before you. And Lord Jesus, mighty God, we stand with this precious servant of yours. And we pray for that influence that you have designed her to carry into those spheres. Lord, we begin to break forth everything that's been as an intimidation. Here we go. Like a spirit of intimidation, like, uh, you know, to try and shut you down, like fear and, and opposition to try and stand against you and stir up, you know, the dust and, and kind of create a, a wall and a barrier. We declare that broken in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we draw you into that space and into that place that God has called you to run. God has called you to be like that spiritual principle that God is going to cause His promotion on your life, His influence on your life to break forth in, in, the, in a new way in the coming time that is ahead. Father, we stand with it tonight. Thank you, Lord. Chris, just pray for her. Thank you, God. I thank you that the anointing will break the yoke. There's no doubt about it. There's an anointing over your life, and it's going to break the yoke, not just for one or two, but for the many. I see a, a, a new space that you're going to walk into of, 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 of broken people being healed in Jesus' name. It's not necessarily say a prayer, but it's you'll see life come into dark places. Things that you've been pressing against, pressing against. I thank you, God, that you're going to bring breakthrough in the name of Jesus. You're going to bring breakthrough in the name of Jesus. There's an, there's an anointing over your life. Don't underestimate it. Don't sell yourself short. Our God is big. He's got your back. When you walk into dark spaces, God has got your back. You're anointed for it. It might not look like ministry up on a pulpit, but it looks like ministry to me, my eyes in Jesus. He's got your back, Ricky. In Jesus' name, as a church, we say, as the people of God who believe in faith, we say, amen, amen, amen. It's broken in the name of Jesus. Wow. Wow. Do you mind if I just take liberty for one second? As we were worshiping earlier, God started to just give me a couple of words that I wanted to. <laughs> wow. Um, as we're worshiping... I could feel the prayers of the saints in this place. There, there's, there's sacred spaces. I'm, I'm, <laughs> your prayers matter. I, I, I'd never been here before, but I, but I did wonder whether there was um, people who'd prayed early in the morning, late at night, come here when the lights went on, but just had prayed. 
you'd create an atmosphere in this place. And when don't underestimate it. Your worship isn't just worship. It's, it, it's not just singing a song. There's, there's sacred spaces here. I could feel a hunger amongst the people. And you're not just here on a Wednesday night out of convenience. You're here because you're hungry. <laughs> and there's more. I felt like the gift of the prophetic will open this place up. I could see like the worship team was, was getting to a space, but they didn't know how to walk forward further and deeper. And that's not to say there's something wrong with the worship team, but it's because there's a gift of the prophetic that as it's unleashed in your church, as it's unleashed through, your, through the grace of, of different people coming, the gift of the prophet is going to unleash this, this, this uh, new spaces and new levels to worship like you haven't seen before. Deeper wells. There's deeper wells. You think this was good. This was good. This was amazing tonight. But there's deeper wells. The, prof the, the prophet can see into spaces and can lead in certain ways and directions and say, hey, why don't we go, go there? And all of a sudden you'll, you'll have an experience here and, and, and it's going to go deeper. There'll be a deeper well people will tap into. <laughs> <laughs> the gift of the prophet releases greater faith. You're hungry for more. <clears throat> I can see that there's so much more potential in every single one of you. It's not a, it's not a you're doing something wrong, but it's that God is actually bringing the, the gift of the prophet back into this space because he wants to increase your faith. The woman said, I've only gotten so much oil. <laughs> The prophet entered the house and said, it, it's more than enough. He, brought, he, he could see in, into that space and all of a sudden what she had turned into more. And God's wanted to call up greater faith in every single one of you. And I feel like the, the gift of the prophetic is it's unleashed. Watch out. <laughs> Our God is a limitless God. And he's calling people to believe at a level of limitless faith. And this church, no doubt about it, there's a limitlessness on where God's going to take you. I'm not talking about a building. I'm talking about you. I'm talking every single individual. You're the church. Pastor Dave, watch out. Watch out, my friend. I'm so privileged that I get to come and be with you guys here tonight. Thank you. That's all I had to say. Awesome. Well, like always, we could go on for hours here. It's just, once again, echo with what Chris is saying. But uh, if you are interested in the school, go to Peter Christensen on Facebook. It'll come out soon. Register. Get in quick. And uh, your life will be turned upside down. Jump on his back. Let's get that prophetic thing going, the worship. And uh, I'm telling you, I believe the prophetic is very, very important right now in this mix. Very more than just personal prophecy and stuff. It's that whole grace flow because it's a key for this region. It's a key for uh, not only this region, but the city. Uh, part of what God spoke to us a year ago, he said he's going to start to open up regions. That's why prophets have to come up. It's not just a yay, yay, thus is the Lord, but it's that grace. 
as Chris was um, capturing some of the thoughts regarding and pertaining to it. And let me tell you, for some of you who are mature in age, some of you who are young, forget about that. You're not retired, but God is refiring you. Uh, my brother here, just sitting with the jumper, you know, is looking at you when Chris was talking, and there's this, ah, you know, there's this divine tension on the inside of you. And there's an, in, there's an intensity about you, and it's, it's God. And uh, I'm not just trying to sum up your personality, but I really feel this like, you know, you want to cross over. And, and you're really desperate and you're longing to just the more. And it, it's in you. And I feel that certain things have been um, uh, laborsome for you, you know, in bringing you to the space you are. But I feel grace is about to kick in. And you're going to find favor and you're going to find, you know, where the steps you've been trying to make have been hindered. There, there will come a rhythm and there's going to come a flow and things are going to start to come together. Some of the things won't come together the way you anticipated they'd come together. But trust in this season. Isaiah 50 says, you know, uh, who is he who walks in darkness and has no light? Uh, woe to him who encircles himself with his own light. Okay. Uh, the, the, the key there is there are times of darkness we walk through where we don't understand why certain things are happening, but then there's that tendency to create our own light. And so it's in those times he goes on to say, let them trust in the Lord. And so that's easy for me to say this side, but I've been through many of those um, in my life. But we need you. Uh, God loves you. And I know that can be generalized, but I feel that uh, in you. And we need that fist, that spiritual fist that you have, the passion that you have, the desire, the intensity that's locked up on the inside of you. Because what is building the groundswell, you know, it's all going to start to come together bit by bit. Some areas you'll go, yep, that's confirmation. Other areas is like, I didn't expect that, but I'm going to go with that. And so just hold on that. We need you in the body of Christ. Yeah. God bless. I'll leave those up here if you want to use, uh, sign them. Thank you, Dave. Cool. God is very faithful and very good, isn't he? Oh, it's really good. I just really encourage all of us um, with everything, just um, pay, pay attention to what the Spirit is saying and pay attention even in your discernment when things start to go click, click, click because that's when things start to line up. And there'll be times when you'll hear something or, or, or you'll read something, it's like, and it's like this lock. And um, that's where we're going. I, I'm, I'm just, oh, well, I don't know. <laughs> we, we're privileged. We're privileged to serve as, as leaders of this church. It's, it's really humbling. It's very, very humbling. And um, there was a time when I thought I was cursed. Turns out I'm blessed. <laughs> but the Lord does. <laughs> And um, I know there, 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 there are things that God has shown me, and I, I know there are some, some things that are going to happen in and through this region. Um, um, but you'll see that as time works out. But we are, we, are, we are very blessed in what God is doing, and we are blessed that God has called us to this church. I'm just going to pray, let's seal this, and um, go home and have a good sleep, and wake up tomorrow and be a menace to the devil, and tell people about Jesus. And, Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. Holy Spirit, I just ask a seal right now. 
on everything that's been spoken verbally, but also the things that you've spoken. And we have no idea because you've been speaking to us. You've been encouraging hearts. You've been unlocking. You've been resurfacing. Some of those ideas and dreams and maybe even prophecies, you sort of dug a hole and you put it in. And not by your own hand, but the Holy Spirit's been unsurfacing that tonight. We thank you for your beautiful church, not just here, but all over this place, all over this land, Lord. May this be that great Southland of the Holy Spirit, where your waves hit the shores. And it's undeniable of your love, your grace, your compassion, Lord. We bless you this day. We love you this day. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I would probably get in quick because um, you, you, know you know what Christians are like. They, they, they'll jump in and you'll run out of space. So, yeah, cool. All right.